ban the tax, Jack, but we also want to see better return on levy. Yeah. And that's your phrase, you know, want to see better return from the current levies that we pay. RRL, return on levy. Welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farms Vice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Vice and let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast. GPA crew are in the house. Colin Bettles, Matt Madden, how are you going? Really, really well, thank you, Jack. Very good. Great to be here alongside our board director uh, from the Northern region, Matt Madden. So, yep, and with Harvest well and truly underway and finished in some areas. Yes, no, it's um, been, well, I'm, I farm east of Moree and um, it's we've been done for a couple of weeks now, which is uh, yep. probably the earliest in a really a non-drought year for a Forever, actually. I mean, we we finished chickpeas on the second of November, and the yields on yields and year wasn't too bad. So it's been quite an extraordinary extraordinary uh, finish to the season. Saying that, um, you know, there were some mixed mixed bags of results in the north of the state. People who got it in early and had reasonable results, but overall, I think it was a very much diminished tonnage in the north. Um, yeah. And we're moving down south, and we'll um, some people on the Victorian border are only just getting going. Yeah, I've seen a few Instagram posts or whatnot, stories of farmers down there. And even down in Tassie, it's still very green. So, um, but probably still early for them, right? To get it done before Christmas. Yes. Even some of the, you know, some of the people I've been speaking to, they said, we may well actually be finished by Christmas. To them, that's a, that'll be, that'll be a bit of a, a, a new, uh, new experience for, for guys that have got a good harvest and still finish early. So yeah, wondering where, where they'll be. Bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, for the like sort of forecast, it's not going to be shooting any records down, is it? With the tonnage, uh, definitely not. Um, my guess is around Moree, Moree, sort of northern thing. You know, thirty percent of last year. Yeah, um, with a lot of acres just didn't get planted, and it's yeah, it's a case of almost have and have nots. If you've got under a storm, you've got it planted. Even with very low in crop rainfall, last year's floods have, have um, you know, people have banked that moisture and actually been able to ensure that they got a, an okay crop. And with, I think we were 60 mil, 65 mil in crop rain, um, and some people were less. So, and then, and so the down south with the people, with the crops, certainly the more in crop rain, the results are pretty good. Yeah. In like an economical sort of circumstance, is finishing early the best sort of scenario? Is your yield always going to be a bit lower um, on that, or are they just smashing through the crops? Um, but generally, a lack of spring rain. And sort of, we had a reasonably cool September, then it did heat up in November. So the yep. yields were. It probably took a bit of edge off the yields finishing early. It's, it's a sign that um, you know, the spring was shorter. Yeah, shorter than than you than what edge one would hope. Yeah, I think time is money, Jack. Yep. So if people are harvesting longer, that might mean they've got more crop as well. But there hasn't been as much rain interruption this year, yep. which is the obvious one, that there's maybe a little bit less, well, there is a lot less crop to take off. But, you know, two or three record years in a row, now we're sort of getting closer to an average crop this year. 
but the warnings at the start of the year for a drier season, certainly people took them seriously and adjusted their programs accordingly. And in Victoria, in some areas, they're still going to have a, a really big year with some great returns and the prices are still up. Um, some parts of South Australia and WA is patchy, you know, where Barry is in the north, doing it tough. And then we saw some hail sort of in the yeah, central was... wheat or southern wheat belt, I think it was, which is extraordinary too. So still some challenges out there, as long as people can get through without too much interruption. We certainly, like this time last year, we were having crisis meetings, I think, um, and writing to the Minister for Infrastructure about road damage. So flooding. Yeah. So much better in that, in terms of that and potential losses and the interruption of people sitting around and waiting for paddocks to dry. Yeah, my geography skills with WA aren't too good, but I think it was, was it Hayden? Is that a town or is it Hayden or something? Yep, Hayden. Yep, well done. Um, Yeah, for that hail, what is there anything that you sort of, is that a discussion point for GPA for grain producers with insurances and stuff to um, ensure that you got yourself covered within a hail event? Matt's a good one to answer that. He's the one that puts his hand in his pocket for insurance. Um, my understanding is it's a very rare event for in that area for hail. So I'm not. I'd, I'd have to really check check that it, people probably don't insure for for hail because it doesn't happen. Yeah. Or the, 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 you know, just so rare that it'd be impossible or difficult for, to insure against. So, and I'm not quite. Reports are still coming in on quite high how widespread it actually was as well. But certainly those people impacted personally, it's been a disaster. Yeah, I, I think it's quite a rare event that probably to be able to ensure for frost is a bigger issue in, in Western Australia, in most parts of the wheat belt and most of those other seasonal challenges. But there's been a constant conversation about multi-peril crop insurance as well yep. to cover for those sorts of, sort of incidents. But it's never really got off the ground in this country. Yeah, no, it, it came across on the socials as a bit of a freak storm. Um, I did suggest that loop and straw may be the go, but uh, it didn't look too thick as it was standing anyway. Um, but Matt, you had a recent trip to India lately. What was this for and what did you get done? Well, it was uh, with Murray Watt and a group of uh, industries were, were invited to go. So... Yep. Obviously, the grains with grain producers, grain grain growers, Nimajitic and Grain Trade Australia were there amongst um, sheep meats, fresh fruit. Now, I we decided. I mean, I just we decided to take up the opportunity with the invitation just to get an insight onto what the opportunities are in India. And my goodness, they are, they are huge. I mean, the numbers are just staggering. The, Growth rates of um, I think seventeen. Excuse me, check my notes here. Um, average fifteen to sixteen percent GDP increases. Forty-seven percent of the of the of the population are in agriculture. That's a that, that that's good and bad for Australia because they are do looking after their um their their producers and they want to look after those to ensure that a they vote and b that they're um their food security is is uh, looked after to some degree but the um we i came back thinking wow the opportunities are just enormous i mean there, there is a 1.6 billion people there growing at you know greater the population of australia just um every not every year every, probably every six months increasing so 
these people have to be fed. They're running into their problems of production where they're, they're facing the same as same problems worldwide with you know, a little bit of climate change. There's um, food security issues. I had the opportunity to, to visit a farm between Delhi and Agra. Well, you know, there are very small farms, but these are producing two to three crops a year with irrigation. And over the last 20 years, that, that those water tables have fallen from 20 to 30 feet to 80 to 90 feet, and the water's getting uh, more, the quality's dropping. So I can see that, in my view, I can see problems, they're facing problems of um, producing enough food. That's where opportunities for Australians come in. We, we will be there to yeah, help. We can't feed 1.6, but we can do our bit to um, to ensure that those markets are opening up and be, be make sure we're available for them. It's what sort uh, of kind of way. Yeah. Are they looking for like raw commodities? Just exporting wheat, barley. They're huge producers of wheat themselves, but the, the barley, uh, I can see an opportunity because they've got a reasonably big, quite a big um, brewing manufacturing. You know, yeah. you know, they drink a lot of beers, a lot of them. Um, so there's opportunities there. Certainly in the pulses, they love our lentils. We've got the chickpeas. They still got the onerous 80% tariff on that chickpeas. And I, I can't see that changing in the short term. With why, is, the, why is the tariff on there? I think it's to protect the, the um, internal or domestic production. Um, so, but we would trying to let them explain to them that Australia would love to, to fill in any gaps there, but we'd need a little lead time. Yeah. We just, we don't have huge stocks available if, if and when they do need, need, um, need help. So if we can keep that dialogue opening and keep that trade things, I can see opportunity, just see more opportunities there. Yeah. It's pretty like unique um, to go over there to see how they sort of operate. Did you go onto a farm or any farms? Yes, I did actually. I, I would get onto a farm and uh, I think uh, my driver's farm was probably five acres and his neighbours had 15 acres yeah. um, with irrigation. So, but they were tidy, they were productive, you know, they were reasonably productive. Um, so it, it, it just might have changed my my um, thoughts on India. On, on Indian production, I mean, um, you know, they, they live on they live on their farm, so that's part of what they do. They don't like they'll never they don't like selling their farms. They're not splitting them up, but um, some people work off farm. The driver I had actually worked in Delhi as a driver, but he would go home on the weekends to help out the farm. He was mechanized, had a tractor, um, and they spoke a common language with farmers. It was government intervention, price of fertilizer, price of price of diesel. So even though the, the scales are different, the the uh, language is pretty, pretty was pretty similar. Yeah, we're just looking at the average hectares of the farms over there. It's one point zero eight hectares in twenty fifteen. Uh, a little bit different to our, I think it's forty three hundred hectares in Australia is the average size farm. Oh, it was. Um, as I must have been blown away, but um, it's also the uh, the value of land was actually quite a lot higher than I thought. But I think it does include the house on it as well. So that yeah. I was surprised actually. So that it's not impoverished as I thought it might have um, been been led to believe. You know, they're well educated. 
in every yeah, school. So many more farms than what we do here when we've got the scale um, with the broad acre sort of cropping as well. But for the season ahead, driving some policy and stuff there and how that sort of works for 2024, what do you see um, or what would you like to see coming around the corner as we lead into Christmas? It's not that far away now. For the Australian grains industry? Yeah, for the Australian grains industry. Um, is there anything that needs to be what's on the agenda for end of the year coming in? Well, the federal government's budget submission process is open for next year's budget, but we're still fighting against the announcement made in, in this year's budget of a biosecurity levy on growers. So we're still standing staunchly opposed to that. And I think we're leading the charge in terms of being vocal. Um, plant industry members are against it and a lot of other um, commodity groups as well, peak industry groups. So the government's um, concluded recently a public consultation process. Obviously, we articulated our reasons why we oppose it. Um, but we also did some analysis. Barry Large, our chair, um, put out an opinion article recently, which was published in the rural press, outlining um, what were common areas amongst all of the farm representative groups and why producers don't want to pay another levy. I think one of the main areas is that it's a tax, it's not a levy because it's going into consolidated revenue. So all those issues we've articulated to you before, growers are already pay enough in levies. We want to see more done with the existing levies that we pay um, and uh, you know the fact that it's not going to guarantee that we'll be working in partnership with agencies that deliver these outcomes and these um, improved or strengthened biosecurity protections. So. Um, the money's just going to be cost-shifting towards the Department of Agriculture to, to cover their underperformance in recent years. Uh, and um, so that's that's our number one issue. The government's opened up consultation on an ag and land survey in terms of looking at where they can work with the farm sector to help reduce emissions. So our main message there is about incentivising farmers rather than putting extra regulation on them and making life harder. Um, you know, if they recognise the fact that we've got a farmers like Matthew are battling mother nature every day and the challenges that go with that fluctuating input prices. If they want to take um, emissions reduction seriously for the ag sector, then there needs to be you know, tax incentives, there needs to be investment in local manufacturing, green fertilisers, all of these things are no-brainers. Sort of feels a bit like Groundhog Day, Jack, we sound like a broken down record, but if they get those basics right and incentivise the landholders, then it's not a public cost shifting exercise. You know, consumers want to pay more for sustainable products, worried about environmental protection. Well, maybe they should be paying more to the farmer to help them get the job done um, rather than putting more pressure on or shutting down industries, for example, uh, you know, shutting down or limiting access to things like fertilizer that you need. Uh, and it's also important because that plays a role in food security. A lot of the debate around uh, the climate. Uh, and the future of the planet goes on in a vacuum of a sustainable population as well. If you want farmers to feed the world uh, and you want them to do it sustainably, well, what's a sustainable population for the planet? Yeah. For example, we, we're being told you've got to feed what's going to be 10 billion people by 2050, Matt. Well, um, is that a healthy population? From seven now. So yeah, that's 25% increase mm. when we're having emissions reporting being the standard or the um, the catalyst on, on how we're going to produce more grain. I mean, and the methodology, I know it's been accepted over, well, apparently accepted overseas on 
nitrous oxide, things such as nitrous oxide emissions. So that, that we're, we're paying it on the way in and the way out. Yeah. So they want us to reduce those reduce those inputs on emissions, but yet keep up a, a, a sustainable food supply. And then we've got the juxtaposed with food security across the world. So it's, um, it's a challenge. I think we'll, we'll rise to it, but it's, um, I think they might have to listen to the ag, ag industries. And a little bit of work's going involved in that, but they should listen to the ag industries. I think the farm groups get very nervous because we've written this radio before, yeah. you know, the, the previous government and the previous Labor government before 2013 with a carbon tax, there's been a huge number of high level attempts to get this policy right. So, and the farm sector feels, well, we've been caught up as a, you know, caught in the middle of this poor policy in the past that's been misinterpreted as, uh, you know, um, arguments over political power, and, and in a sense it is, but it's also an elaborate cost-shifting mechanism onto the landholders that the people who care about reducing emissions don't quite understand. So, again, we, in good faith, participate in those processes, make sure they understand the importance of getting it right and incentivise landholders to continue getting better with grains. We're already some of the lowest emissions producing grains countries in the world or one of the lowest emissions uh, intensity grain production systems in the world. So that needs to be recognised as well, that we're actually starting from a, a really good strong point. So how can we do that a lot better? And as we say, you know, local investment in local manufacturing opportunities around um, aviation, sustainable aviation fuels and types of crops that are done there, you know, biofuels, all of those things, tax incentives go into the mix. Um, so hopefully they they look at that from that point of view. The other thing we've got going on is uh, um, our um, northern region director, our other northern region director, Andrew Earl, recently after 10 years, he um, stepped down to take on a board role at Grains Australia, and he's been a fantastic servant of GPA, one of the backbones of and our... And the grains growth, industry. And the grains industry. So thrilled for him to be taking on a, a new role in the industry, doing something he's passionate about, developing Grains Australia and helping them take the next step. So we, we're open at the moment for a, a Northern Region Board Director and the deadline's the 5th of December, but we're welcoming anyone who's out there in, in the world of, of um, what is a grower, currently a grower, it's a grower director position. Um, obviously want to encourage diversity. So any women involved in the grains industry and part of a grain production enterprise to put their hand up and nominate for that uh, role and make it competitive and, uh, it'll be a casual vacancy, so it'll be uh, ratified. It'll be appointed by the GPA selection committee, then ratified at the AGM again. So, um, yeah, that's that's exciting because we're refreshing the board. But sad to see Andrew go, who's been fantastic. And he's helped lay, lay the foundation for with GBR are today. So, well, um, I'll certainly miss him. I've only been here for a couple of years, and I'll, I'll miss him. But um, no, it's, it is exciting. Yeah, it's it's sad to see that sort of knowledge go, but he sort of takes that with him. But hopefully, he put a little bit off um, onto the other directors on the board there, like yourself, Matthew. Um, but also, some fresh eyes to come in would be quite good for the committee to sort of grow um, new ideas to see how we can um, work with these levies or get rid of them for the farmers. And um, just back on that levy, is there a bit of a deadline? to when that needs to be done, or are they trying to push you off because the new budget's coming along? Um, well, the, yeah, the, the the budget, July 1, it's yeah. due to be implemented to start collecting the levy from July 1 next year, but it's got a long, long way to go before it can get to that level. 
Um, but after this consultation process, the people leading it up within the department will do a summary of all of the submissions. And then they'll basically, I, I would say, would brief the minister. Um, and it would probably look a lot like the summary that we did with some, some differences, because some of the submissions are confidential. I, we were only able to review the ones that are made public. Um, but I think some of those key messages around, you know, the, the loss of trust and confidence in the existing levy system by putting another levy on growers um, and the unfairness of that. And that, that's, the, that's really what it's all about. It's unfair that the people we've been talking about making the risk creators contribute more to the system. Um, they're the people bringing in the pests and weeds and diseases that can shut down our markets and farmers already pay for biosecurity in their own farms. There's emergency response levies, which are set at zero, but go up if we get an incursion. The people who bring in these risks, these pests and diseases, uh, they don't pay for the emergency response. And plus farmers also pay taxes too. So, you know, it's really just a cost shifting. So then the minister will consider that and then they'll have to draft legislation. And then that'll probably be put out for public consultation. And then it goes into what was potentially be a very big Barney in Parliament House over this. The opposition have already said they oppose it. So if, if uh, the coalition gets back into government, they'll simply repeal it. Um, or that's the promise they make or a commitment to repeal it. Um, and so they will be voting against it. And you would think that in the Senate with the elaborate crossbench that's there, what we saw with the backpack attacks a few years ago, that it just goes into a kaleidoscope of horse trading where the best interests of farmers and biosecurity gets completely lost. So I think, you know, someone could be trying to trade off the public housing debt in Tasmania, for example, uh, when we're talking about helping farmers protect farmers and, you know, a multi, well, capra beetle, for example, we $15.5 billion hit to the national economy. So we just hope that the true interests of what we're trying to do doesn't get lost in all of that. So we'll continue to advocate our position. But we also support, look, if they are going to put a levy on, Jack, we do want to see the best outcomes. We want to see transparency. So we're still working with the government. Um, to say, if you're going to do it, we do want to see genuine increases and strengthening of protections for growers because our members just say, we don't want this stuff getting in. And we want to see that if it's the extra money's raised, it goes to the um, bolstering, actually bolstering biosecurity protection for the industry, which is help, helps all Australians. So it's quite, it's not just for farmers. It's is, um, to protect jobs throughout Australia. So we've seen it things like Varroa might. So, um, so it's really to protect a wide range of people. So, and it's not mandated to that money to go there, which is a bit of a, dis, bit, of a bit of a worry, I would contend. We want to say, we want to ban, ban the tax, Jack, but we also want to see better return on levy. Yeah. And that's your phrase, you know, let's see better return from the current levies that we pay. RRL, return on levy. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. catching, it's catching out there in grower land, ROL. The very um, reliable Twitter force. They like the conversation of paying the levy, but actually knowing where that goes and when it's sort of spent um, and how it's coming back to the farmers. Farmers benefit to improve our crops, but also like biosecurity and everything from there. Um, if our biosecurity is not good, our crops won't be good in the end as well. well. No one will be collecting any levies if we get capra. So let's take this seriously. I mean, at the moment, it's just another tax. And the other thing is, if they can set up a tax for this, for call it biosecurity, 
well, what else can they call it in the future, right? It's 10% now. What's to stop them raising it to 50% of our existing levies and then let's calling it the Jack Creswell podcast levy, right? Um, call it whatever you like. It's a mechanism that will be able, the government will simply be able to get their hand further and further into your pocket. We have an existing levy system where it works well in trusted partnerships with producers, with their representative groups, with government. And like I said, with Varroa, for example, uh, we've actually had the nation's biggest biosecurity or plant biosecurity incursion. At the same time, this levy has been put on and, and that hasn't calculated for the stress, anger and pain that those industry groups and producers have dealt with have genuinely been shut down. No one's actually come to them before they announced this and said, how do you feel about doing this? And you can't simply say, oh, well, no one likes new taxes. Well, okay, then don't call it a levy because the levy means you're working in partnership. And if you're working in partnership, you're going to go and ask people how they feel before you take money off them. And outside of that, it's just a form of government cost shifting to the money's going to the department. It's not being hypothecated for the purpose of biosecurity. And again, we sound like a broken down record because we're not being listened to about it. And I think the sooner the minister banned, banned this tax and killed it off, the sooner he'll start building trust uh, with the farm sector again, uh, which he promised to do from his first speech and that the Albanese government themselves promised to be far more collaborative and to not um, be combative and disruptive and antagonistic in, you know, that's what they said in the election campaign. So I think it's a great opportunity for them to say, you know what, we've listened to you, we've heard, we're now going to do a backflip on this uh, and we're now going to um, like find $150 million from somewhere else. I can review it. Don't even have the backflip, just review it. Well, that's what they, you know, they. The, I think the sooner they find a way to reverse it, the, the better it is for everyone. Is that better? <laughs> Same with similar result, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully it goes in the way of the farmers, of course. And if not, hopefully we can get a bit of transparency. We love a bit of transparency um, on this podcast and probably leads us into the conversation of today's actually National Ag Day. Yeah, happy Ag Day. Happy Ag Day. Got my tractor socks on today. Actually, yeah. I put it in some farms of our socks, so I might have to send some up to you, Colin, and you can give it <laughs> to some directors. Well, you've got the hat. You've got the GPA hat. So we're all good. Oh, look, it's a fantastic opportunity to celebrate everything that um, is great about agriculture, the people, the hard work that our you know, grain producers do. The theme is growing agriculture, grow your good thing. And yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's just to shine a light on, on what, what happens around Australia. I mean, it encompasses all agriculture. So it, it does touch a lot, obviously touches everybody every day when they eat. But I mean, it's just to show exactly what farmers are doing on their farms. It, it, it's getting that connect back from um, the city city to the rural, which is, yeah, I think, I think it is, it's certainly lacking. It's been proven with some of the, you know, some of the, uh, what we read in the papers, it's just the disconnect. And if you go on Twitter and you, I wonder why what, people wondering why things happen, they just really don't understand. And it's a, a real challenge to get those people to understand because some of them don't want to listen to you, but it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot of patient capital or patient patience to explain it, just why we do what we do. And um, and I I think it's a very important message to get get through. And it's going to be a hard slog, but we've just got to keep doing it. 
Yeah, and you do a great job too, Jack, getting the message out about agriculture and giving people the opportunity to talk about their role in the industry as well. So, I mean, your podcast is is a form of Ag Day as well, celebrating what we do and sharing the valuable knowledge. But one of my great memories of Ag Day was the very first one and being at the War Memorial at the infamous dinner where Gina Reinhart handed the $40,000 check to Barnaby Joyce for being the Ag Person of the Year. And it was a massive check and there was about, I don't know, 15 people from across the industry on stage all looking down at their feet and up at the ceiling. And Barnaby said, holy dooly, I think I know I'm going to spend this already. Anyway, huge controversy. And everyone from Bill Shorten to well, Barnaby handed the money back straight away, of course. But I, yeah. That's one of my great memories. I think I was the only paid journalist working at the event that night and I had my little handheld camera. And you'll appreciate this, Jack, being someone who's involved in the world of journalism and media. Filming, and I'm trying to keep quiet because I know it's got the recording on as well, going, she's not going to give it to Barnaby. Surely she's not. She is. She has. Oh, my God. And then that little video footage going viral the next day and ended up on um, the project that night, the little little uh, attribution to my video that night so of course from australia's biggest farmer farm owner to the new england's possibly um up there as well well you're genuine farmer so i'm sure if he if you know if it was all above board etc he would have spent it well on his farm he he certainly created uh, certainly created headlines anyway well, I mean, he was minister when they brought in instant asset tax write-offs, you know, for infrastructure and all the grain storage that we see around Joe Hockey, I think it was in the 2015 budget. So you could argue a strong case, but it's the politics of it. Obviously, yeah. it wasn't a good look. Yeah, the optics, yes. Optics, that's the word. <laughs> so, Matthew, going off Ag Day, what's, what's your favourite memory you've had on farm, either when you were a young whippersnapper or um, coming into your... Vintage wine era. <laughs> well, he's saying that very politely, it's, isn't he? It's, it's interesting. I'll sort of go back and sort of every time I put some new storage up at home and I, and I sort of say, it was just you know, little girl said, yeah, well, you weren't there shoveling, shoveling wheat out of broken down tiger cages, yeah, which is a tight, you know, a mess silo that's spilled on the ground. And my elder brother, was, he had hay fever. He didn't have to do it. My twin brother had a bad back. He didn't have to do it. My girls didn't have to do it. And, they said, oh, are you bitter? No. So who ended up on the farm? Me. But anyway, um, that's a memory. But look, I've always wanted to be a farmer, so um, there's not, not many bad memories because I do what I do by choice. So, um, yeah, look, I'm not the only industry that has the hard work. So, But, yeah, every time a new tractor turned up, it was always a good day. Um, didn't happen. You know, didn't happen that often, but um, even today, when new, something new turns up, it's all always a buzz. And um, just growing, having a growing a good crop, um, it's it's just never left me. That buzz has never left left me. So, um, yeah. and unfortunately, Ag Day we sort of always harvesting, or generally always harvesting during November. So anyway, this is an opportunity this year we're not so. Um, um, yeah, so I can reflect on what everybody else is doing around the, around the, around the country on Ag Day today, except for the grain farms who are working today. But mm. um, you can put your feet up and see how they're going on the socials. There's plenty of people out there in the header, the chaser bin, and whatnot. Um, I don't think there was a lack of supply of people too much to get the crop off this year, which was a little bit better 
um, especially with contractors look chasing work rather than pushing farmers away in the last couple of years. Yeah, no. It's, um, look, it was obviously shy in the north, you know, it's a, but um, through central and southern New South Wales and down in Victoria, it's 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 quite good. So yep. you know, spatially, it's okay. So um, you know, might be our turn. We you know, 130 mil predicted for Maury next year. That'll put us in good stead for, for either the summer crop or a good crop next year. So everybody, not everybody has their turn, but um, yeah, we, we, we're used to it. We accept it. So um, we'll just look forward. Hopefully not, don't have to look backwards too often. Fingers but, crossed, but always good to reflect. Colin, wrapping this up here, is there anything else we've missed out for this conversation um, so far? No, I think we've covered a lot of ground, Jack. And um, yeah, just a big shout out to everyone for Ag Day and everyone who's still working hard at Harvest. And thanks for your great coverage, mate, and support of GPA in, in your way and letting us get our messages out there. And yeah, if anyone's interested in applying for the Northern Region Director, as I say, very keen to to get um, some representation out there from women. So and whoever else is out there that wants to put their hand up and represent their peers, because it's a fantastic opportunity to participate in democracy and represent your peers. Absolutely. And I imagine you'd have a link to the position's description. Um, yep. It's all on the website. Yep. I'll, so, I'll put the link in the show notes so people looking for the role, they can just go straight in there um, yep. if it's for you. But before we wrap up, who's going to win the ODI World Cup now? You'd have a bit of commentary on that, wouldn't you, Colin? Well, I was up till four o'clock this morning watching it. Um, great. Um, Matt's oh, just been to India. India. He, who, yeah. who are you going to go for? India. Your loyalty's the wife, aren't they? Well, uh, you might do a backflip on us, Matthew. Well, I'm going. <laughs> I'd like to win, but uh, the um, fad put you know the hard earned on. It's going to be no. You might even friends might might. My pippers at the post, but we'll see. It's good to go in as underdogs. I think India are the standouts of the tournament and um home ground. Yeah, Virat Kohli, their top orders firing. Um and so we'll see. Hopefully it's a great game. And um, you know, we've won it that many times. We can let others win it on, on occasion. So <laughs> that'd definitely be a good one. Well, Colin, Matthew good question for Hoggy though. You might want to ask Hoggy, uh, mental health ambassador. He's won two of them, so yeah, I'll give him a shout out. I'll try to get him on the podcast before the end of the year. That might be good. Yeah. Uh, to see how the summer pans out. But Colin, Matthew, thanks for joining us for another GPA catch up to see how the Granger's industry is moving forward. Thanks, Jack. My, my pleasure. Thank you, Jack. This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. And even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag farmsadvice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday.